Welcome in <laughs> to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. Today I am joined by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. What's going on, man? That's the new and improved intro right there, baby. You went hard on it. I, I did. I put a lot of effort into that one. Uh, if you can't tell by now, we are missing Jimbo James Dreer. He is busy doing business stuff. He really, he's probably drunk somewhere in Idaho, but that is totally fine. On today's episode, <laughs> we are filling you in on all the recent fantasy news and just really just catching you up on everything that's going on. And we're going to finish the episode by talking about some really just random questions, things that we're interested in fantasy wise for the upcoming year. And so, yeah, that's pretty much that. But before we dive into all this, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Wherever you listen to us on right now, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'm forgetting other ones, uh, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> Wherever you get your good podcast, if I'm going to steal a line from Pablo Torre from ESPN. Yeah, steal the line, because I'm, <laughs> I'm forgetting all the rest. <laughs> it's been a minute. We're a little rusty right now. It is the off season. So yeah, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us five stars, because that's all we take. If you try to do less than five stars, we're not going to accept it, and uh, it won't be will be part of our ratings. So yeah, just give us five stars. <laughs> That's just how that works. So hack the system. I don't gotta hack it, dude. It's five stars only. That's all we're doing. <laughs> so without further ado, should we just dive right in or am I missing anything? Now nah, let's get it. Oh fuck, let's get it, dude. Okay. So as far as news goes, probably the biggest news right now in the offseason is the fact that DeAndre Hopkins was released by the Arizona Cardinals. He is now a free agent. There are a good amount of teams interested, probably more than we really know about, but right now it seems like the Patriots, the Browns, and possibly the Chiefs and the Bills are front runners to land him. Where do we see him having the most fantasy upside? And before we even do that, I mean, the Ravens, right? Aren't the Ravens part of this race? I don't see it, though. I mean, they brought in OBJ. They drafted Zay Flowers. They still have Rashad, Rashad Bateman to go along with Mark Andrews. I'm just not sure if that's where they want to go. They brought in OBJ? That's yeah. a real thing? Yeah. No, Antonio Brown was the fake news. OBJ's real. That's signed. Well, well, I thought OBJ was the fake news. Obviously, Antonio Brown is the fake news. <laughs> but So they, OBJ is a member of the Ravens? Yeah, yeah man. We talked about this. <laughs> on, on, on an episode like a while back like right after it happened <laughs> okay so yeah this is probably not a reality so basically the Patriots and the Browns are some front runners the Chiefs and the Bills might also be there and they're probably uh, a more significant landing spot right as far as like someone late in their career probably trying to chase a ring Chiefs and the Bills are definitely going to be the place you want to be at so how do we feel about D-Hop going to any of these teams well, I mean, really, it sounds like it's a two-team race between the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, reports are saying that they are so focused on getting D-Hop so that the other team doesn't because they feel like they are the two best teams in the AFC. And so they want to, you know, it's an arms race, essentially, which is only good for DeAndre Hopkins because it just means that he's going to, you know, get paid because they're, he's going to be able to up the price on that. So um, pretty good on him. I mean, and rightfully so. I understand that, like, He's missed some time last last few games or last few years, I should say. You know, six game suspension last year had some injuries. Missed most of the year before that because of a uh, more significant injury. Um, but even with that missed time, 
since he's been drafted into the league in 2013, he is the number one receiver in receptions, the second receiver in receiving yards, and fourth in receiving touchdowns. And I don't care that he's 31 years old. I mean, he's still got juice in him, especially after missing so much time the last two years. I think either of those teams, he's going to be an absolute dog on. No, I totally agree. And so, so let's, just, let's just say he like goes to the Bills. Uh, really, they have like very similar situations, the Bills and the Chiefs. They both have, well, I guess, obviously the Bills have Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. and apparently the Chiefs really like Juju Smith-Schuster. He's, a new, he's that, in New England. What? Juju's in New England. God damn it. What am I looking at here? <laughs> I have no idea. Fuck me. So so who do the Chiefs have then right now? Uh, Kadarius Toney on the roster is their number one receiver. Okay. So obviously the Chiefs are a better landing spot then. Oh, he'll get much more usage there. That's for sure. There's less weapons there in the passing game. But at the same time, there weren't great weapons there last year outside of Travis Kelsey. And they still killed it. So um, adding on D-Hop there, I think, really exposed that offense. Not to mention, you know, the improvement from hopefully Kadarius Toney, Tony, if he can get away from the hamstring injuries. And hopefully a big jump from Sky Moore. Yeah, so the Chiefs are definitely a better landing spot. But if he goes to the Bills, that's pretty nasty also. It is. I mean, he immediately becomes the receiver two there. Um, my only concern is that Josh Allen has such a connection with Stephon Diggs that I don't see Hopkins as having as big of an impact there. Um, I think he'll lose out on opportunities because, you know, Allen does like to force feed digs at at times, whereas we saw him last year with Mahomes. He'll spread it around outside of Travis Kelsey. But if you give him another a true number one target, I think you see what they had in years past when they had Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Tyreek Hill and D. Hop are very different types of receivers, but I don't see any reason why you wouldn't expect major production out of DeAndre Hopkins in the Chiefs. And I'd see slightly less production in the Bills. I've been hearing rumors, obviously training camp rumors, which is all bullshit. Yeah, Kadarius Tony is looking like wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, honestly, we like Kadarius Tony. We liked him for a couple of years now. We've been waiting for that blow up to happen. But outside of Kadarius Tony, they really don't got much going on. They do have MVS, yeah. who was a productive, slight flex player receiver wise. After that, it's a bunch of players that, like, unless you're real deep in the game, you don't know these guys: Justin Watson, John Ross, Richie James. We're not, we're not like rocking with none of these guys. No, I mean, and Kadarius Tony has shown he has the talent to be a number one receiver, but he can't stay on the field. He has a perpetual hamstring injury that just doesn't ever go away. I think I think it's actually both hamstrings. There's something wrong. Like, hopefully, you know, having a full off season where they can figure out like clearly there's something wrong in like the way his body is structured in terms of muscle tone. That why it's putting way too much stress on his hamstrings. They got to find some way to balance this out for him. And I'm sure. You know, jumping into a a good weight room and better training will help that. But from what we've seen, it keeps happening. That hamstring injury, very hindering. So right now, we like the Chiefs to be the best landing spot, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably obvious. Honestly, I don't like them, especially the Patriots. God, don't go to New England. That'll be the the death of his career if he signs a long-term deal there. So, um. And then I just don't like him in in uh, Cleveland very much. I understand his connection with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, they were a, a, one of the best duos in the league when they were together. But I don't like D-Hop with Amari Cooper because now you have two kind of slower possession guys 
playing receiver there. You don't have anybody who can, you know, break open the field. So I just don't like the way that the balance happens in Cleveland. They also picked up Elijah Moore, which is interesting. Someone who still, I think, has a lot of potential. Yeah. But obviously, you know, DeAndre Hopkins would be above him uh, once the season starts. So let's talk about the Cardinals since DeAndre Hopkins is leaving them. Who are we looking at as far as receiving the ball on that team? I mean, fantasy-wise in general, it's going to be rough. I mean, they're going to be with Kyler. I think that Kyler Murray doesn't play a down for Arizona this year. I don't think so. I know that they think that he'll be able to come back like mid-season or late season, but I don't see why they would bring him back when they're going to be probably at that point like 1-8 and eight or 2-9 and nine, whenever he can come back. Why risk him going on the field and getting hurt more? It seems like the Cardinals are going full full tank mode here. And whether that means that, that he's even uh, Kyler Murray's even on the team next year, they could trade him if they go for the number one pick and they could go and take Caleb Williams because it's a new coaching staff. I could see that happening and Kyler could be in a different uni- uniform next year. So I think Arizona goes full tank mode. And if that's the case, the only person I have any interest in really having on my team would be James Conner. Ugh, gross. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> I do, but, but I mean, they're going to run the shit out of the ball. Yeah, until they start losing all these fucking games. Nah, they'll just keep running the ball because they can't throw the ball. Colt, their starting quarterback this year is going to be Colt McCoy. Honestly, the worst quarterback room I think I've looked at in recent history. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Colt McCoy, Jeff Driscoll, and David Blow. Blow? Blow? It's Blow, and he, got, he didn't even make the... He was like the darling of hard knocks for the Lions last year. Didn't even make the team. Yeah, so it looks fucking horrible for them. Yeah. And that's a good point to bring up. So, yeah, Marquise Brown, uh, fuck, does he have any value? Like, let's just I'm sure he has some. Round eight comes around in a redraft league. Marquise Brown's sitting there. I mean, I don't hate that, like, that that late. Um, I mean, it's just... Ugh, it's it's just, gonna be rough, yeah. I mean, even... As their number one receiver now, there I just can't see him breaking more than like eight hundred yards. So he's uh at best uh backup flex. Yeah, I think he. I think at best like, yeah, low end flex probably. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, after last year, he played twelve games for him, and only had see seven catches, three touchdowns. How much was going on? He did have one hundred seven targets, but the catch rate a little lackluster. So, man, the Cardinals look like shit. That's unfortunate because I have Kyler Murray in a dynasty league. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it works out for you because again, if he goes with a different team next year, then maybe it's not that bad. Nah, it's probably it's probably that bad. But you know that's how it goes. Right now, he is being drafted eighty first overall. Kyler so, Murray? No, uh, Hollywood Brown. Oh. So that's pretty damn high. So we're talking like mid sixth round, depending on the size of your league. Um, I think the way they rank these is traditionally more on a uh, on a ten team scale. So that'd be the beginning of, beginning of the eighth round. Oh uh-huh, yeah, see, so, yeah, I threw out the eighth round. Yeah. Now in Fucking a twelve team league in the eighth round, I'd be I'd be pretty happy there because I'm not I'm just drafting for high upside um, at that receiver position at that point, and he certainly gives you that because he can break open multiple games because he's just that kind of dynamic guy. But it's not something I would want to be starting week in and week out unless we see something different at the beginning of the season. If the first four weeks or so of the season he's going off, 
and him and Colt McCoy have a great connection, I'll change my tune. But as of right now, I'm going to stay away. Wait, what's Kyler Murray's like realistic return time? Obviously, he's not going to start at the beginning of the year. I think like week 10 or so. Fuck me. But again, if they're, you know, one and nine or two and eight at that point, why the hell would the would Arizona even bother playing him? That's a good point. But with that quarterback room, God damn, this is. I, yeah, I guess they're fucked. Yeah, I mean, if I'm them, especially if I'm going that that far, either you're going to then take the first pick in the, pick in the draft, potentially top two picks in the draft, because they have the Texans' first round pick coming up next year too. If they're the two worst teams, they got the number one and number two overall pick, and you have two decisions: you either trade Kyler Murray and restart with your own quarterback like Caleb Williams out of USC, or you decide to build around Kyler Murray and you take just the best two non-running, uh, non-QB prospects and start to really rebuild your team in a fucking hurry. Let's just be real. They're going to rebuild. I think so, too. Everyone's all hyped on this next quarterback class. And like you said, Caleb Williams is coming out. Da-da-da-da. All that good stuff. Too many good quarterbacks coming out. And they have a lot of good high draft picks. So, fuck me. Yeah, so if you're if you're like me and you have Kyler Murray in Dynasty League, uh, you got to ship that mofo is the way I'm thinking right now. Yeah. And you had the, your opportunity. You might have messed that up. I had the opportunity. Uh, it's not over yet. So we'll see what happens tonight when I start sending out some trades. <laughs> so let's move on to the next here. Uh, next piece of news. Reports are saying that the Saints brought in John Gruden for the first week of practice to learn more about Derek Carr since they recently acquired him. Obviously, John Gruden coaching for a couple years. What should we even think about this? I don't know, man. I mean, all the reports are saying that they brought him in more so that the coaches can talk to Gruden and see kind of what makes Derek Carr click, not so much for him to come in and like tell them, hey, these are the things that worked for us with Derek Carr. So I think they more just want to see, kind of get in Derek Carr's head a little bit, see you know the type of player he really is. But knowing John Gruden, there's no chance in hell you don't see some of his plays into this playbook this year. I'm sure he's gonna play like that double Y banana thing he lo- that was so famous a few uh, years ago. The Y Z banana, or yeah, whatever, the fuck whatever it was. that was. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you know a bevy of that this year because it's just too hard to to fathom that he does. They don't take away some of his play calls. Mm. Uh, honestly, I I don't think it really matters. Derek Carr played with so many coaches. I mean, I guess his most recent coach who was with him for a long stint is John Gruden. Mm-hmm. I just don't see why it's really going to matter. Maybe. I mean, it's like John Gruden's known as an offensive play crawler. Um, granted, we saw this when he was in Oakland or slash Vegas. No, they were only in Vegas last year, right? So Gruden was only Oakland. Um, but we saw his offense was stagnant. It was old. It wasn't up to the modern NFL anymore. So, I'm, so I hope they don't take any of it. Maybe a few small wrinkles just to help keep Derek Carr a little more comfortable at the beginning of the year. But no, I'm kind of with you. I don't think there's much to go for here. Yeah, either way, I I do like him with the Saints. Derek Carr is promising. I mean, any, getting anything out of Las getting out of Las Vegas is huge for him. The problem is that we thought fuck off. You know it is. Well, it is because it was a yeah whatever. It's a whole different story. Yeah, it's definitely a more promising environment for him. Yeah, I think they're gonna you know one stability. 
because the Saints have been one of the most stable franchises over the last 15 years. Um, so there's that. You know, they know that they're going to rally around him. The problem is that, like, even under Gruden, his best season was QB 13. Yeah, I mean, he, he always flirted with, like, fantasy relevance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't think the whole John Gruden thing really matters at all. And like you said, the consistency with the Saints organization, it, it looks better for Derek Carr. And I've been a fan of him every year, preseason. Got to get him. I'm still feeling the fucking same. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing with Derek Carr is if he can, they can get him into a system where it cuts down the turnovers. Because the last couple of years, 14 picks a piece, that's really rough. Um, not to mention, I guess not last year. He actually had four fumbles last year, zero loss. But for his career, he's had a lot of fumbles, dude. A lot, yeah. And th- that was his problem earlier in his career. But I'll, I'll also say this. They were playing from behind a lot of times because their defense was so bad. And that's why I would blame the picks on. But he does have some bad picks on his record. Yeah, but and the fumbles are right, too. I mean, that's a, that, a lot of that's pocket awareness and not you know feeling people on your backside. So before last year where he lost zero fumbles, if you look at the years before that, five fumbles lost, eight fumbles lost, three fumbles lost, seven fumbles lost. That's a lot. And on top of that, he f- lost double. He actually had double-digit fumbles total. They just those are the ones that they lost in those five years. And I'll just reiterate, playing from behind. Yeah, not so, to mention not a good offensive line. There's that too. They yeah. never were able to fix the offensive line in front of them. Yeah, so you got a bad offensive line and you're playing from behind. These teams know you're throwing the ball because you're trying to catch up. Yeah. So motherfuckers on your ass. <laughs> it's a little bit of a disadvantage. He definitely has a problem with it, but I don't think it's as bad as it the numbers say. So I'll just I'll just end with that one and I will defend Derek Carr into my grave. Do I defend them all last year? I thought <laughs> I had such high hopes for Derek Carr last year, and now I'm like, all right, can't do it again, man. I had you. you At this point, I think the Kool-Aid. I was, but I mean, why why not? I mean it, going into last year, man, I thought he was going to finally break out and be like that top five to seven quarterback. It just didn't happen. I think at this point in his career, we've seen it so often that, you know, stealing a line from the late great Danny Green, he is who he thought he was. Oh, my God. You're going to do that to me. Dude, it's true. Look, I mean, just Hunter Renfro got injured. Darren Waller got hold injured. On, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Look, think about this. Look at his overall QB uh, record or standings his entire career. 17, 13, 14, 17, 19, 12, 14, 20. It's like a weaker Kirk Cousins. Exactly. Yeah, there's just okay. You start hurting my feelings if we keep talking about this. <laughs> it's it's true. It's definitely true. But you know, new environment. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. <clears throat> Let's move on to the next one. And coincidentally, we're still somewhat talking about the Raiders. Yep. So. God, did you build this whole document just like <laughs> hurt my feelings? Dude, this one's weird. This is like, I didn't think there was any news until this weird nuance to Jimmy G's contract came out. So please jump into this. This is weird. Uh, it's all fucked. Okay, so the Raiders signed Jimmy G. If you haven't been sleeping under a goddamn rock, uh, it's the worst signing of the offseason. I'll just tell you that right now. So he had foot surgery and it occurred Shortly after he signed his multi-year contract with the Raiders, which is a great decision by the Raiders, those motherfuckers, and it's now being reported that he signed a waiver in place of a team physical because they knew he would not be able to pass the physical, which he did not pass it. 
the waiver is being addendum G in his contract. What the fuck does this mean? <laughs> just a, I thought it was kind of funny that they made addendum G. Ad- addendum G, where the, it's the seventh addendum? Apparently. Or they just did it because it, a, cause a, it well, went well with Jimmy G. I don't a, know. Addendum, addendum. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. So basically, he still has a passive physical in order to get any of his base salary from the Raiders. And the Raiders still have the right to waive Garoppolo for any reason that is related to this waiver. So basically, if homeboys, if his, his, if his foot ain't right, they can waive him. Yeah. So yeah, we dished our franchise quarterback for someone who whose foot, he, I mean, come on, it's going to have I mean, fucking crutches. I mean, at least you can, if you do cut him, get out of it scot-free. No, no money. Scot-free? We'll be left with nobody. Yeah, there's that. Just, okay. <laughs> Why'd you do this to me? You're gonna be all fucking wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. Go to this sub point because this is where it gets weird. Okay. It gets very interesting now. <clears throat> okay, it's about to get interesting, apparently. So <laughs> there were reports from many football insiders that they would not be surprised if God damn it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm fucking reading this, dude. <laughs> this is so dumb. Okay. <clears> then <throat> so Tom Brady is a new minority team owner of the Raiders. He could be lured out of retirement to play for the Raiders. Could this have all been a ploy? God, I don't want to read this. Okay, to reunite Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. Okay, so I've been seeing all kinds of stuff about this, right? The only way this could happen, though, is if someone is a part owner of a team, three-quarters of the owners have to approve that person to play for the team, right? Would you say, if they if Jimmy G can't play, would they not automatically? And Tom is like, I'll suit up. Wouldn't they all be like, hell yeah, go suit up? Well, they'd be like, hell yeah, but three-quarters of the NFL would be like, fuck off, dude. You've been whooping her ass for fucking 16 years. Like, get out of here. Yeah, he didn't play that well last year. Maybe like 20 years. I don't know. He's been, he's been killing it my whole life. Like, yeah. come on now. Let's just be real. So, what the fuck am I supposed to say about this? This is bullshit. <laughs> this, this is such a, a weird, intriguing piece. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But what if this was just like the long, the like the long route to be able to get Tom Brady to Las Vegas to be able to play? This is so fucked. It's already half the New England Patriots team. Yeah. Like, and as a Raiders fan, and if you're a Raiders fan listening to this, you know this is all horseshit. We already have twenty players, faculty, players, assistant coaches, whatever included, that are from the Patriots organization. Yeah. What is happening? New England West. Did we forget about the tuck rule? It's all this is <laughs> bullshit, dude. <laughs> Fuck them. Hey, hey, man. Mark Davis is like, can't beat him. Join him. <sighs> Fucking hey, dude. Can't beat him. Get a haircut, dude. <laughs> no, get an adult haircut, not this damn bowl cut you've been rocking since you were eight. No, he's going to go by the bar, put out the vibe. He's doing that dumb and dumber shit. <laughs> That's what he looks like. So, let me ask this then. Let's say, just throw it out there, hypothetical. Would you rather have Jimmy G or Tom Brady as the quarterback of the Raiders this season? God damn it. Okay, obviously I would rather have Tom Brady because y- you heard me two years ago in the Super Bowl. Um, they should have put Trey Lance in back then. <laughs> Jimmy G cannot throw the ball. Nope, he can. And, and he relies on a good defense. Guess who's never had a good defense in my entire fucking lifetime? The Raiders. Especially in the t- the past twenty years, the Raiders have never had a top twenty five defense. Yeah, ever. It, and the crazy thing too, Jimmy G literally has never been able to stay healthy. 
if you go back to his since he wasn't a star until he went to San Francisco, so we can you know say that. But in his six years since leaving New England, he's only played double digit games three times. Oh, this sounds fantastic. So I mean, he's probably gonna get hurt again. He's just he's just always hurt. So the Raiders are basically uh, okay. So they're betting on a fucking hail mary. Not even Hail Mary. I think a Hail Mary has higher chances of fucking being success- successful than Tom Brady starting for them. It's either that or Jimmy Garoppolo. They got Brian Hoyer, former Patriot. Oh, God. I just kind of hate looking at this fucking roster. This is bullshit. And they did, dra- they did draft a rookie. I can't remember his name. Um, In like the fourth or fifth round. From Penn State, right? Um... Honestly, I can't even remember. Remember correctly, yeah, but yeah, and he does look okay, but he's a he's a rookie, and he's on a highly touted one at that. So things are fucked. Things are not looking good for the. It Raiders. is pretty crazy. Like just the offense alone, how many expatriates are Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer, Brandon Bolden, Jacoby Myers, Philip Dorsett, Jacob Johnson, Jacob. Oh, was he the fullback? He was in New England as well. I believe so. Crazy, but I mean, we have seen. When Tom Brady has a true stud number one receiver, dude balls out. And he, if he did come back and play, he'd have Devontae Adams. And I would bet you that they would love to work together. Derek Carr's got a good arm. I just... Ah, uh, uh, this whole thing fucking sucks ass, dude. Whatever. It's all fucked. Raiders are fucked. Are we going to keep talking about this? <laughs> no, we don't ask it anymore. We can move on. Uh, that was entertaining, though. God, this is all bullshit. Okay, so let's move on to the next one here. Let's talk about Russell Wilson, another shitty quarterback. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he's coming into this season in much better shape, and he has noticeably thinned down since last season. Uh, not impressive because he's 5'10", so whatever. Um, <laughs> makes a difference. big difference when he looked fat as hell last year. I guess it does. I think about the opposite way. Yeah, so yeah, short people will lose weight. Um, yeah, impressive. Okay, so is this good news for the Broncos because he thinned down? I honestly, I, I'm not taking the bait. I don't give a shit. No, I tried to find a picture because I saw one somewhere. I couldn't find the picture again of a picture of him from last year and where he looks at it now in these uh, press conferences. And it is a noticeable difference. Like his face is now like thin and and is like thin instead. Of like he had these like plump like chickmunk cheeks last year. Dude, I swear to God, it was weird. And so, I mean, obviously him coming in and having maybe a renewed uh, interest and renewed vigor to come in and play well because he played so shitty last year, especially under the new head coach Sean Payne. You know, maybe he's a little more dialed in this year than he was last year. Um, you know that he got that big fat paycheck, got a little fat himself. So maybe he's got a renewed energy here, and maybe it helps. But for the most part, this is a storyline we hear a dozen times in offseason that so-and-so players come in the best shape of their life and they're going to ha- have a great year. And most of the time, it just doesn't happen. The biggest, the, the biggest thing that the Broncos should be grateful for is the addition of Sean Payton to help you know grow Russell Wilson and have this offense probably explode. Yeah, and Sean Payton has a good history with short quarterbacks. Yep. Drew Brees. Obviously... Fucking fantastic career, and um, I guess you would say similar size. Russell Wilson's probably a little bit bigger. I think Russell Wilson's like a half inch taller, maybe an inch. He's much heavier. Um, he traditionally he they weigh him at like two ten, two fifteen. Where I think realistically, Drew Brees was more like one ninety, 
maybe a little more. But similar, smaller guys, big yeah, short arms, guy. short guys. Very accurate. And that's the biggest thing. Like Russell Wilson, up until last year, was an extremely accurate quarterback in Seattle. And, you know, ha- again, I think having Sean Payton is the probably the biggest addition of the offseason for any team. I think that is a completely different offense com- um, coming into this season. And it's going to be for the better for the Broncos and fantasy players. Yeah, so really the whole Russell Wilson thinning down, who gives a shit? Really, it's the addition of Sean Payton. Absolutely. That's all we really care about. So, And he can't really do much worse than he did last year. <laughs> I mean, we weren't even starting this guy past the first like four weeks of the season. No. It was absolute dog trash. That no, was bad. So let, let's move on to the next one here. Let's talk about the Jaguars. More importantly, their backfield. Travis Etienne is reportedly to have a reduced workload this season. Um, but before I even really dive into that, I wanted to say this in this the the last topic we were talking about. We're, we're doing mini camp news. Yeah, a lot of this shit it does not matter. I'm telling you, I, I'm probably overdoing this, but maybe ninety like percent of these news, like these news pieces, oh this guy's looking good, this guy's looking bad, blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like it, it's like. Essentially, kind of like what we're trying to do right now. Just churn out content. <laughs> it's fodder, right? Right, exactly. Like people, are, they're just trying to talk about something. So it, it's all bullshit for the most part. But so apparently Travis Etienne is going to have a reduced workload this season. This does have a little bit of like credence to it, though, because they did add Tank Bigsby, who we really liked looking at the rookies uh, coming into this year for the draft. They also signed Dearness Johnson from the Browns. I'm not really phased by Dearness Johnson personally. Uh, Tank Bigsby, though, to me, it definitely is like someone. I, I look at that backfield. I'm like, okay, he's going to have less carries, Travis Etienne. Yeah. Because Tank Bigsby seems like someone who is worthy of taking those carries. And the thing is, like, I mean, Tank is, you know, his, his, his first name is Tank. His nickname is Tank because he's huge, right? He's a big running back. So the shitty thing with this is that he's going to end up stealing a bunch of really high value carries at the goal line from ETN. So that's the shitty part. Um I'm not worried in terms of like, you know, are you worried about where you should where you should draft ETN now? Because he's probably going in the second round. Um and ADP right now, I'm not looking at it right this second, but I can. Um but I mean sounds about right though. But I mean I can certainly see him kind of being pushed down the 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 tears a little bit right now he's oh I guess a little later he was the tenth overall running back twenty fifth overall it's not bad actually I, well that's I, right at the turn of the two though depending on the size of your league yeah it could be mid third I always approach things as a, as a, as a twelve team draft yeah if you're playing ten team drafts just man up yeah so like, I mean you got if you're doing ten teams just man up play twelve team it's better I think if I'm at the top of the third round. I'd have unless I went running back, running back my first two picks. I'd have no problem tra- taking ETN at that point. Oh yeah, no, that's all day. And honestly, Tank Bigsby's a great backup because I really don't think Dearness Johnson is going to phase anything after that. So you have a, you have the one and a two, and Dearness Johnson. We saw what he was doing on the Browns for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He he had his opportunities when you know Nick Chubb was injured and Kareem Hunt wasn't like he was kind of falling off last you know year and a half or so. He had maybe one or two good games. It's not always someone you can rely on. Like, oh, I'm going to sit on this guy, and if they get injured, I'm going to have a good game out of him. Right. He's not that guy. Tank Bigsby coming in the league fresh, looking really good. Look at his college film. We like him. 
So yeah, Daniel Bigsby is definitely someone you want to have. And I, I still want to try with ETN for sure. He still has that receiving ability. And he also has that chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. Right. Because, you know, they play college football together. I mean, we're going back. And Trevor Lawrence is fucking skyrocketing right now. And, you know, that, that was uh, the 2021 season to 2022. Huge fucking leap. Well, yeah, he got an actual head coach. Yeah, and that's also <laughs> what happened. Yeah, his head coach wasn't around walking around practice kicking the kicker. <laughs> so things or, like that or stay Or not going on the team plane and grabbing women's ass in the bar. That was his old girl from fucking Indiana, dude. He's got, he had to go back fucking to do a little touch-touch, you know? Bro. Like, could anyone have gotten such a large contract and not given two fucks about being a head coach in the NFL? Oh, because he's a college legend. He didn't give a fuck. He's got yeah, money. Yeah, there, there's lots of college legends that came into the NFL, and now very few of them have produced and been well, but they at least tried. He didn't care at all. Like, he was like, all right, I got my paycheck, deuces. I'm going to do what the hell I want. That's a good point. Money does that to some people, even though he already had money. Oh, hell yeah. Know. I'm just saying, he saw a girl back in fucking Indiana, <laughs> the Midwest, whatever. He's just like, oh, I got to say what's up. Somebody caught it on camera. That's what happens to these old guys. Cameras are everywhere. <laughs> you got to know. There's cameras on your phone? Shit. <laughs> How'd somebody see that in a packed bar? <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> so anyways... um, Let's talk about the fact that they are bringing Calvin Ridley on slowly. They have a, they have a good wide receiver room. Jaguars. Yeah, it's not really being talked about right now, but yeah. Uh, so they bring Calvin Ridley on slowly. Reports are saying that Calvin Ridley is the best receiver on the team. I'm going to call bullshit on that because Christian Kirk is, I think, the obvious number one on that team. Calvin Ridley, though, very skilled. But people might be sleeping on him because he missed a whole year because of the whole betting shit, right? Well, so he missed basically the last two seasons because the year before he got hurt, only played five games. Oh, right. So Calvin Ridley's been out of the game for a second, especially if you're new to the fantasy game. Don't sleep on this guy. Very extremely skilled. But it also hasn't been a year and a half since he's been playing football consistently. He got suspended last year for betting, blah, 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 all that kind of bullshit. So... Now he's on a team with Trevor Lawrence, who, like I said, is exploding. This team might be great. Do you think Trevor Lawrence is good enough to support two number one receivers in fantasy? Basically, two starters. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I would completely disagree with you in the fact that uh, Christian Kirk's the number one guy there. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be the number one receiver in the, on this team. And I, I honestly don't doubt that any bit. Christian Kirk, I, I, he was great last year, and it was, but he's more traditionally a slot guy. And now you can really line him up in the slot because you have somebody on the outside you have to truly, truly fear. Um, I mean, and let's not forget Calvin Ridley. The last time he w- he played he played a full season, he was the f- number five overall receiver in fantasy. He had ninety catches for almost fourteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns. That's a solid ass season, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a great season. So, um, I mean, I. I think Calvin Ridley is that guy. He might be a little rusty uh, at the beginning of the year, but I think he ends up blowing up pretty damn quickly, if I'm completely honest. And right now, trying to find him on the ADP, he is going uh, 54 overall, so kind of the back end of the fourth round right now. Holy shit. That's... So a lot of people probably feel the way I do. Yeah, they, they obviously do, because I, I don't. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. But damn, that that's a good point to bring up. And that's going. That's only about 
It's 11 picks higher than Christian Kirk right now. So they're expecting both of them to be... I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if both put up, you know, solid receiver two numbers, which I'm okay with, especially if you're going to draft him in the fifth and sixth round. So they're both top 24. Yeah. Ah. Mm. That starter starter numbers right there. And yeah, I think Tra- Trevor Lawrence is more than capable of doing it, especially with another season under Doug Peterson. And we have to remember, Doug Peterson made Carson Wentz an MVP candidate. And look at how that went when Carson Wentz was no longer underneath him. That's a great point. Bring up some good points. God damn it. I hate you for being so smart. You know things that I don't know. <laughs> um, and I will fucking admit it. So, yeah, and Trevor Lawrence obviously likes him because he says that, you know, Calvin Ridley, he's a freak. Just the way he runs routes, how explosive he is. Seems like he's picking stuff up. You know, and we're pretty early on. Like I said, take this shit with a grain of salt. This is mini camp. It is. But I'm just banking on his talent. Like his talent's crazy. He was the first. He was in a. I think he was the first receiver taken in his draft. Anyways, was he? I think so. He was a first round pick. I I'm pretty sure he was the first receiver taken. If not, I mean, he was top you know two or three. But he was a first round pick. So like the pedigree's there. Um, can you do me a favor and just look that up real quick? Well, I talk about the fact that like we're still in minicamp and guys are running around with fucking marshmallows on their helmets, <laughs> and there's no contact allowed. Motherfuckers ain't even wearing pads or nothing, but they still got the helmets here, on right. with the with the marshmallows, which doesn't really make sense to me. Twenty eighteen. So yeah, I mean, so it seems like the Jaguars, which is ironic. Now we're looking at two receivers from the Jaguars. They're gonna be like you know, top twenty four receivers. He was the second receiver taken, two picks behind DJ Moore. What year? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. He was the twenty sixth overall pick. DJ Moore won at twenty four. Do you see the other receivers after that? Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk. Really? Yeah. And then a couple of late round guys um, that have had some success. James Washington, uh, DJ Shark, Michael Gallup. Wow, weird wide receiver. Like, that's a weird wide receiver class. So, yeah, it wasn't like a standout wide receiver class. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that DJ Moore went ahead of him, honestly, now thinking about it. but Either way... That's crazy. They basically, the Jaguars basically have the two best receivers from that class. Yeah. Yeah, they do. At this point. Five years ago, which feels like a fucking lifetime ago, pre-quarantine. Who remembers those times? None of us, because the quarantine got us all drunk and we drank every day. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We we, we as a society blacked out for two years. I definitely did. And I was also bartending, so I was drunk at work. So not only was I drunk at home, I was drunk at work. So <laughs> illegal. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Nobody knew until you know now. But whatever. Statue of <laughs> limitations for bartending. I think that's the thing. So <laughs> let's talk about the last piece of news. Did you see the video of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask? Me? No, I don't. I did not see that. What are you talking what? about? Oh my god, dude. Okay. So again, they're just in OTAs, right? But they're not playing a defense. They're just doing like traditional like. Catch, like pass and catch drills, right? Lining up with the receivers, and they are missing their receivers against no defense by a mile. Both of them. They are both throwing terribly. How's that happening in the NFL? I don't know. But like seeing this is like, holy hell. Like it's bad. Who released the video? The Bucks? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was, I think a reporter got it. And then, of course, the Bucks aren't going to just come out and release that. But like, oh, look how terrible our quarterbacks are. Um, I think it was a reporter, but yeah, it was rough, dude. 
Like they both had multiple passes. It wasn't like it was like they just showed one clip of each. It was like three, four clips each of doing like the same drill and them just missing receivers. Maybe it's counterintelligence. I'm a I'm a conspiracy guy, honestly. I don't know, man. But all I see is two quarterbacks that can't get it done. And that means that uh I might I mean I think it'd be drafters beware for uh for Godson and or Godwin and uh, Mike Evans. Fuck. Well that sucks. I think it's counterintelligence and I'm oh, God damn it. Why do you talk about these things that make me question stuff? You always do it to me. <laughs> Uh, it looks bad. I uh, mean, I'll have to see the video. I don't have a good nickname for Baker Mayfield, but Kyle's definitely look like Kyle Trash. Okay, well, remember when uh, Tyreek first went to the Dolphins and they were posting all these videos of Tua underthrowing him? Yeah, they also posted a bunch of videos of him hitting him completely in stride, though. There's all these videos floating around, like, oh, he can't throw the ball like deep, like 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 Tyreek needs. And sure enough, it didn't fucking matter. Him and Jalen Waddle absolutely went off last year. Yeah. So I'm just saying. It, it, I get hints of that. Um, it's not like I like Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. I do want Kyle Trask to do good just for a, from a dynasty perspective and just the fact that we we need more quarterbacks to be able to draft later, <laughs> later in these redraft leagues. So hopefully it's not that fucking bad. I have not seen that video, but I will believe what you've seen. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough. All right. So I think that wraps up the news. Let's talk about some random questions that we're trying to talk about. Fantasy relevant shit coming up for this year. The first question, which is a fucking great question. Apparently, you got some bangers for this one. You oh, were telling man, me. I got some history on this one, baby. <laughs> Before we hit the record button, how early would you draft Bajan Robinson in a redraft league? So I want to get your opinion on it first because I'm going to, because I, I, I have a feeling you're going to say like back end of round one or early round two, and you're going to be wrong. Oh, then why do you want me to answer? Because you just okay. So is that I? I assume I just kind of have a feeling that's what your opinion is. You're pretty close. I am not. Obviously, I love Bajon Robinson. Um, with me, let's just say I had a late to mid round pick in round one, which means I have an earlier pick in round two. I would hope to get him earlier in round two. So I'm talking like mid round two. Right now, his ADP is number nine overall. So back into round one. Seriously? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you why that's also wrong. He should be a top five pick. Really? Yeah. So let me let me hit you with this. Oh, hit All me right. with it, dude. So over the last 10 years, there's been six running backs taking in the top, taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Four of those running backs were top 10 fantasy players their rookie seasons. Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and Christian McCaffrey. The fifth one was Todd Gurley, and he finished as as running back four, uh, fifteen. The only guy who didn't make the cut was uh, Trent Richardson out of Alabama, who went who went to Cleveland. Mm. All right. Yeah, well, we know what Trent Richardson did. Yeah, we do. But Bus. so okay, the history there is through the roof, right? Especially and that's recent history. Those last ten years. Then also in terms of like people not wanting to take running backs in the first round in the NFL draft, the rookie running backs still produce. If you you can also throw out guys like Najee Harris, who's taken twenty fourth overall, but finished as the third uh, overall fantasy back his rookie year. That was a great one. I love that one. So and it, and just to put it in perspective, Saquon Barkley was the number one running back his rookie year. Zeke was the number two running back his rookie year. Leonard Fournette was eight, and Christian McCaffrey was tenth. And Christian McCaffrey barely played his rookie year. He was basically used as a pass uh, pass catching back and was still a top ten back. 
uh, John Robinson can do both. He he's gonna be a running. He can run and he can catch. Uh, I know his receiving stats don't show it at Texas. It's just because they didn't use him that way. But I mean, if you saw him in drills, that dude can catch a ball. He can run routes like a motherfucker. He's gonna be a top five uh, running back this year. You're not faced by Cordero Patterson. Nope. Tyler Algier. Nope. Tyler's Algier. I know that's my boy, but Bajon Robinson's that dude. Yeah, we talked about that in our rookie rankings. As far as like being like a complete running back, there was like, he was in a tier in himself. And then when we went to two to five, because we did top five rankings, these guys were in a completely different tier. Yeah. So yeah, we know what Bajon's capable of, and you bring up a lot of good points with that. So thank you for setting me up to get shit on. <laughs> again, I kind of figured because I feel, and again, like most people are feeling like you, where they would rather draft them be a little safer at the back end of the of the first round. But I'm telling you, telling you right now, I would have no problem drafting him in the top five in a redraft in league. a redraft league. No problem. So say you're pick five, and. Uh, that's probably isn't a, a great question. All right, so if we're Derrick Henry five, or Bajon Robinson, Derek, what? Derek Henry's not even close, dude. Now this is so right now the top five picks in the draft right now are Justin Jefferson, number one overall ADP. We're we'll get to that in a minute. Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, and Austin Eckler. Those are the top five picks right now. Okay, so Austin Eckler or Bajon Robinson. I I'd go Bajon over Austin Eckler. Yes. You want to, and we'll get to that too because I got another question on that coming up. So I don't I want to jump too oh too much into God. it. But okay, man, <clears throat> you're really uh, mixing up the Kool Aid right now. It's pretty sugary, <laughs> tasting pretty sweet. All right, <clears throat> so yeah, you you basically led into it. So if you got the number one pick in a redraft league, are you taking Justin Jefferson? Dude, you know how hard that is. Honestly, like. You know, I'm for the longest time, and I've come off it over the last couple of years. But for the longest time, I was like, "You should go running back, running back your first two picks." Yeah, that was your best way of of having a very good team all the way throughout. And but things have changed, and that's because the modern NFL offense has changed. Mm-hmm. So, would I? I would consider it, but I'm going to still take Christian McCaffrey number one overall. That's personally what I would do because like, you got to get a good running back. Yeah. And there's only so many left that are going to be workhorse and, and you have packs. to And you have to think, too, if you have the number one overall pick, and like in our, our league, 12 teams, you're, you got 23 picks for your next one. That's a lot of guys. That means you're going from Chris McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson, and then all the way back around to you. Then you're in the, the play of Jalen Waddell, Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith. Yeah, so you got to get a certified number one at that yeah. point, and, and we're, I think we're of the same mindset that wide receivers are pretty deep. Exactly, and obviously you want to get someone like Justin Jefferson, but you can take that risk and end up rolling with two guys who are going to be top twenty and still be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think if I'm in that spot, I'd rather go Chris McCaffrey and then come back around and have a guy available like a Jalen Waddle as my wide receiver one, or maybe even Garrett Wilson if he drops a few extra picks. You're just going to skip over Devontae Smith? You ain't, you ain't fucking with that? No, it's my number one receiver, not when you have A.J. Brown in Philly. Yeah, that's a good point, but Jalen Waddle's opposite to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but Jalen Waddle still put up 1,400 yards last year. He did, and his quarterback also hit his head against the ground like he never played football before like fucking six <laughs> times. <laughs> he did, but, you know, 
He's good now. Concussions don't last that long. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, we'll see if he makes it through another season. Because if he keeps hitting the ground like that, it's just like, dude. I think he's doing like jujitsu training to help roll. You know, tuck and roll. I don't know. Tuck and roll. Come on, dude. We played football when we were kids. You get hit your like, a few times. I know you got not being hit by the best athletes in the world. But you get hit a couple times, and you're like, okay, I probably shouldn't fall like that anymore because my head doesn't feel right after that. <laughs> and you learn to fall. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, re- realistically, the couple times, the shitty thing with what happened with Tua too is that like he got one of those really bad, the two hits he took were bad ones where the guys like wrapped him and like rolled and whipped him to the ground. You mm. know what I'm saying? Um, and that's worse because there's like no like protecting yourself that way. Um, so. <laughs> Excuse me, Jesus. I think it's more that more just you know shitty luck for him. Uh, I think if you look back in his career, he's probably never been hit like that before. It just happened, happened like back to you know back to back weeks. So, dude was throwing up gang signs on the field. <laughs> they had him out next week. I don't know how that happens, but you know I'm not a doctor. So. Well, no, that was the second time. The first time was when he hit his head, and then they he got back up and stumbled trying to get back to the huddle, and they didn't pull him out anyways. Yeah, but after he was throwing out gang signs, he was out next week. No. No, the second time he was out for like the remainder of the year. Okay, my memory is horrible. Either way, I just remember him just doing some weird like Compton shit on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and I, know. I was just like, okay, this guy's he's <laughs> It was scary. And I, I don't want to be watching this. It's like when you're watching like a scary movie and you're like, okay, this is going a little bit too far. <laughs> don't know if I want to be watching this anymore. So yeah, so good point. Um Justin Jefferson as a number one overall pick, obviously not a bad pick, but you should definitely be trying to get, if you're number one overall, you should definitely try to get, okay, so Austin Eckler or Justin Jefferson? A number one? Well, I mean, come on now. No, I, Chris, I already said Chris McCaffrey. Yeah, but if it's not Chris McCaffrey, I'm just throwing it out there. No, I, I mean. No? For John Robinson or Justin Jefferson? I wouldn't be considered either one. Of, I wouldn't be. I'm not considered either one at number one overall. So, well, we're talking a difference in four picks, though. I mean, some people like to take risks. I mean, okay, if if I'm at num- if I'm at pick number five and somehow Justin Jefferson's still on the board, I'm taking Justin Jefferson. Well, you have to, but you're also picking, you know, fifteen picks later or something like that. Yeah, but at that league. point, it's it's. I know it's weird to say this, but the value of Jefferson at five versus Jefferson at one is astronomical. That makes sense. So yeah, I guess the one is the overall like crux here because you yeah. you gotta have yeah, and Christian McCaffrey's in such a good position. So yeah, I I see what you're saying. I guess if you want to give another hypo- hypothetical, like let's say McCaffrey does go one, then if you're at pick two, are you would you go Jefferson or would you go Eckler? Oh, I I gotta have a number one running back. I can't not do it. I, like you were saying earlier, we're from the days of you know you got to have two running backs before you start going receiver, right? And I, we're not still in the same mindset, but I got to have at least one running back I can rely on week after week after week, right? Because I can find receivers in the next few rounds. And I'm with you there too. I think I would definitely go running back still, even at number two. I think pick four. If I'm like pick number four, that's where I would consider a receiver being taken first, depending on who's been drafted there. But as of right now. You're talking about uh, even at pick number four, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are already gone, and at that point, I'm probably going back to running back and taking an Eckler, or Bajon Robinson, whoever your you know flavor is. 
a uh, bunch of flavors, dude. I like chicken flavored ramen myself, but uh, <laughs> so let's talk about this one. So Davin Cook been a bunch of fucking rumors this year, this off season that he's going to be leaving. Me and you are both of the same agreement. I think that Delvin Cook stays with Minnesota. But if he does leave Minnesota, what's his worth? And I'll just kind of leave this off here with my opinion that there's not many places you can land where you're going to be in the same position as he is with the Vikings as far as being you know a pretty clear-cut number one running back. And if he goes to any other team, there's... I can't even think of another team he would go to where he would have the same amount of carries, same amount of touches in general, and have that same fantasy impact. Honestly, I think there's plenty of teams he could go to because um, he's just would still be by far the best running back on that roster. I mean, are, he's are had, there any that like come to mind like instantly? Um, New England, I think Kansas City, New England, yeah. Oh, well, they did lose Damian Harris. Yeah, so like like right now, okay. And this is another point I was going to bring up, and I'll finish. Well, let me keep on Dalvin Cook before I come back to it. But, like, right now, because of this, no one knows what's happening. And I, personally, I think he stays in Minnesota. I think they're going to figure that out. I don't think they, they're going to want to trade him, especially at this point. If they're going to, I think they would have done it before the draft. So I don't see that changing now. But right now, because of this up in the air, Dalvin Cook is going 48th overall. That doesn't make fucking sense to me. I'm sorry. Right now, he is still in a Minnesota uniform. And I'm going to draft him that way. Third round? Second round? Oh, he's probably back into the first round. Back into the first, top top second. Easy. He's had four straight 1,100-yard seasons. I mean, if you look at his at his numbers, he's gone in the last four years. He's been running back 11, 16, 2, and 6. And, the, and the, his rushing production hasn't really wavered at all. What changed was his receiving production. I think that's just because of the difference in, the, uh, in Minnesota's playbook the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'm totally with you because, you know, we like... Who's his backup? Uh, Alexander Madison. Yeah, we all like him as probably one of the best cuffs in the league. Yeah, I mean, he can come in and do it for a couple of games, but he's not a 16-game guy where he can be your true lead back. No, he's not. And honestly, there's been a couple of years... Like, the last two years, I've had Madison as, like, a cuff in the last two years, and it's, it's never really worked out because Dalvin Cook is still there doing the goddamn thing. Yeah, and, and, and you know, he, as a running back... He's missed some games, but overall, he's there most of the year. Like, 17 games last year, 13, 14, and 14. That's not bad for a running back. He's missed two or three games his entire career, or at least over the last four years. He's only missed two or three games a season, which is common for a starting running back, especially one who gets the amount of touches he does. So I just don't see why there's this, like, uproar about not knowing where he's going and being scared to draft him. I think that's ridiculous. That's crazy, 48th ADP. Like I said, we're very early in the offseason. You're probably looking at redraft ADPs, right? Yeah. No, things change so much. Oh, man. yeah. I'm sure that's going to skyrocket back up um, when we get closer to the season, when we have, once we know where he is at. But, I mean, unless he goes to a team that you know already has, like, an, a good lead back, that so that he might be forced into committee, I think for probably half the league, he comes in and it's automatically the best running back. Half the league, probably. That's maybe like a quarter. But he, he's going to go into a situation where he's, it's more of a, a running back by committee. There's so many running back by committees. That's what I'm scared of if he does leave the team. But like I said, we're both of the same mindset where he's not going to leave the team. But if he does, he's going to land in a spot 
most likely where he is splitting carries, unlike the situation Maybe. He's I mean, in now. Just kind of thinking, like running over teams, that he would automatically be the number one guy. Chicago, Tampa, uh, I think New England, even they have Ramondre Stevenson. He'd be the number one guy in Kansas City. He'd be the number one guy in Buffalo. Um, I mean, that's five just off the very top of my head. Um, he'd be the number one guy in Philly because they don't have Rashad Penny there. I don't care that they like to run, that use multiple running backs. Like, he'd be the number one guy there regardless because he's just that much more talented. Wait, Philly doesn't have Rashad Penny? What? They do, but Rashad Penny's never on the field. So, like. Oh, they're saying they don't have him. I was like, what happened? Yeah, no, they, they do have him, but he's never on the okay. field. So, like. Okay. You know, that goes out the window. Um, Arizona, obviously. Oh, over James Conner, yeah. your fucking beloved yeah. darling. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Rams, number one. Um, I mean, there, there's a ton. Okay. Like again, I think I think I could easily get to 16 teams that I would say, yeah, Dalvin Cook's the guy there. Well, you're about seven right now, and like I said, about 25 percent, so it'd be eight. So yeah, so I mean, I think I could pr- easily get into double digits though if I actually you know looked at the, at the team's rosters. I'm telling you, we're getting committees. You're getting you're getting deep at this point. Everyone you named so far, I believe. You get a little deeper. I'm telling you, we're splitting carries. Okay, Miami. Everyone's splitting carries, dude. Miami, he'd be number one guy there. What? 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 What's that guy's name? The young dude, the coach, McDaniel. 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 He loves those guys. Yeah. So what? If he comes, okay, it's okay that you you can be in love with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. But when you put them next to Dalvin Cook, it's not close. I'm telling you, they're taking carries. I, I mean, some sure, but he's still going to be the lead guy, and he, I can guarantee you, if he, unless he goes to a team like Seattle, which already has like a bell cow, or, um, and you know Kenneth Walker, like a team like that, that or Cincinnati, where they have Joe Mixon, as long as he's still there, like teams like that, sure, that's different. But any team, I think there's a hundred or a hundred teams. I think I literally, I think if I really sat down and looked at it, there'd be half the league that I can say Dalvin Cook is the tr- would be the true number one back there. I believe you. I'm mostly just questioning you. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe, ha- half maybe it's high not half. Number. Maybe it's not half. But I bet you I can get to. I mean, I, after I got to nine there after a couple more teams being yeah. Thrown out. So I can get to twelve or fourteen pretty damn easily. Okay, yeah, so you're getting close. We'll settle in between a quarter and a half. You know, we'll do... Yeah. Uh, Throw Houston in there. We love Damian Pierce, but uh, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook's better than Damian uh, Pierce. Don't fucking say it, it's not. It's not close. Oh, my God. If he went there. We need lead backs, okay? Yeah, I'm saying Dalvin Cook is, is a lead back. Yeah, but if he went there, he's just going to take another lead back away. And then yeah, and be, like, a, be a wash when it comes to fantasy in terms of lead backs that are available, but sure. I need him. I'm selfish. He better not fucking do that. But like I said, we both pretty much agree he's going to stay with the Vikings. It's the writing's on the wall. So yeah, you're convincing. But at this point, he's staying with the Vikings. He's still a number one running back. Dalvin Cook, take him when you can get him. If he if he's pick forty eight in your draft, you are a lucky person. Honestly, if I saw him in round three, I'd be jumping all over it. Like. Oh, yeah, it's all day. <laughs> it's crazy that he could get through almost a full four rounds before getting picked. That, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I know it's super early and when it comes to re, to redraft leagues. For you weirdos that are out there already drafting, I don't know what the hell's wrong with your commissioner. Get that, get that fixed. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, but I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, round three, late round two. I'm I'm, I'm all over Dal- Dalvin Cook. That's yeah, all day. Easy. Writing's on the wall with that one. So our last question of the episode: Does the addition of Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator for the Chargers raise the fantasy floors for all their skill players? Or do we see a certain player rising above the rest as far as you know the Chargers players because of Kellen Moore? Um, this is where that whole Bajon Robinson versus Austin Eckler thing comes back to you know rears his head again. I think Eckler with Kellen Moore takes a slight step back, and that's why I put Bajon Robinson over there. Kellen Moore's offenses have prolifically been top five in the league since he's been an offense coordinator. And yes, a lot of that had to do with having Zeke back there. Um, but you can see in the last few years, they started using more Tony Pollard in the passing game and just throwing the ball more overall. And now going to the Chargers, you have three receivers that are really damn good. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and the and the rookie Quentin Jefferson. I think Kellen Moore is going to see the talent on the outside, and as good as Eckler is, I think he's going to throw the ball more than he ever has. And we already know Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. If you think otherwise, you're stupid. So what about the fact that players like Tony Pollard have excelled in the passing game as a running back? Right, but there was less outside weapons in Dallas. They've always had like kind of one guy. They had Amari Cooper be that guy, and then CeeDee Lamb started coming up. They got rid of Amari Cooper, and then you have CeeDee Lamb and nobody else on the outside. You have three studs on the outside. That's Quentin Jefferson, uh, I'm assuming, is going to be a very good player. They have, obviously, that, that's an assumption. But even then, they have two stud receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think when you add a third guy into that, I think it just removes touches for Austin Eckler. Ah, uh, that'd be fucking unfortunate because God, that guy's been money. Absolutely, I I agree. I think I don't think that's the way I would go. I think Austin Eckler is probably your best offensive piece in L.A. But Kellen Moore has fall, has at times as a play caller really fallen in love with the pass or with the pass and has abandoned the run game at the time. Even Mike McCarthy has come out and said we need to run the ball more. That's the way Mike McCarthy likes to run his offense, a little more old school, run the ball to set up the pass. Kellen Moore liked to kind of do the opposite, and it obviously worked because. Zeke and Tony Pollard both had really good seasons or multiple really good seasons, you know, in this offense. But with more outside weapons, I just see Kellen Moore throwing the ball more than he ever has. Ah, uh, that's a really good point. And honestly, that that brings the point where I'm looking at right now where Keenan Allen being a sleeper next year, you know, being kind of an elderly receiver. If you glance at his numbers, he didn't really break the top 40 in PPR or standard. But he also only played 10 games. Yeah, injury bug hit him a little bit. <clears throat> but yeah, his last eight games that he played, absolutely killing it. And, you know, we're talking double-digit games. Six of his last eight games, I think it's eight games. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least 12 points in six of the eight games. And now that Kellen Moore is there, yeah, you're you're bringing up some good points. I just want to bring up Keenan Allen just in case anyone's sleeping on him. And he's still going ahead of Mike Williams, and rightfully so. Keenan Allen ADP right now. I just lost him. There you go. Is that 42 overall? Mike Williams is at 61. And Mike Williams, we know what it is. It's it's a hit or miss, boomer bust bust, guy. My God. All day. And when it booms, it booms. But goddamn, when it busts, you're fucked. 
So I'm not putting it on my team unless I got a solid wide receiver core. But you were just talking about the uh, rookie that they just drafted? Yeah, Quentin Johnson out of TCU. He's going 112 right now. <clears throat> and that's the big guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and and, and you know, and he probably should be going that late. Like, he's another guy who has a ton of potential, but he is behind two studs at receiver. So I don't see him having a huge fantasy production. But again, I just expect Kellen Moore to throw the ball a ton this year because he sees three guys that can be absolute game changers for him. Uh, do you think Quentin Johnson can take Mike Williams' spot? Uh, honestly, yeah. like, what wh- when I when I see Quentin Johnson go into the Chargers, it's the first thing I think. It's like, okay, maybe he can like take Mike Williams' spot and actually be more consistent. Potentially, obviously, you know they're looking at this as it's going to be the Quentin Johnson and Mike Williams show going, you know, in the near future. Keenan Allen probably doesn't have that many years left before they either ship him off or he retires. Um, but yeah, I mean, so. I guess I can't really see him taking his spot just because I think it'll take him a year or two to get to that point, and then he's probably the number one or, or number two receiver anyways just because Keenan Allen will be moving on. Mm. I'm willing to bet that it's a Keenan Allen-Quentin Johnson show this year. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say, say that can't happen just because we know how up and down Mike Williams can be, but I'm not sure if I'm going to bank on that the rookie season. Especially as him being the third receiver there. Yeah, I'm not banking on it, but man, that'd be that'd be interesting to see. It'd be fun. Plus, and I mean, there's Keenan, like or not Keenan, but Quentin Johnson. Out of all the receivers taken in the first round, I think he's a little more raw than the other ones. Um, needs a little more time to probably adjust to the NFL. Where I see like the Zay Flowers and the JSNs of the world, um, and Jordan Addison for that matter, all jumping in and being productive right off, right off the jump, like week one, mm-hmm. where I could see Quentin Johnson a little more time to get rolling. Yeah, and we, we talked about that quite a bit on our yeah. rookie wide receiver episode before the draft. So, yeah, yeah, I think we're on the same page with that one. But, man, the potential for him is through the roof. This big-ass mofo out of TCU, he is interesting. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And just coming into the league, he's already the same size as Mike Williams, if the weights are correct. They're both 6'4". Mike Williams is 218. He's 215. I mean, they're essentially the same the same guy. But I don't think Mike Williams came into the league at 215. No, Mike Williams wasn't. I had to see when, when he was drafted, actually. Um, I mean, at this point, we were talking like 2017, 2018. It's been a while. So basically, he's been in you know, an NFL weight room for quite a few years, and he still weighs the same as Quentin Johnson. Who's coming out of TCU? So I think you know he he's got a good good uh good career trajectory, Quentin Johnson, as long as he can catch the goddamn ball and <laughs> do it consistently. Yeah, for sure. So it'd be interesting. I mean, that's, that's Quentin Johnson overtaking him is an interesting point. I could see it happening. I'm not gonna necessarily bank on that or or think it will, but yeah, I don't know. This I just have this feeling that Austin Eckler takes the test takes a bit of a step back this year because of the new offense. Yeah, to bring that full circle, I, I could see that happening, but I really fucking hope it doesn't. Neither do I. I hope it doesn't either. I, I'm honestly hoping I'm wrong because Eckler's an absolute stud. And he's, again, I think he's their best offensive weapon, so they should probably utilize him more, and they could utilize him a bunch in the passing game because, I mean, he could 
probably be in the past game Tony Pollard, but just much better. <laughs> to be completely honest. Yeah. Um. So I hope it doesn't happen, but I don't know. It's just a feeling I have there. So speaking of the running backs, just real quick, I know we didn't have this on the dock, but I just kind of know this on ADPs right now. Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson is going twenty six overall. He's going ahead of guys like Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Kenny Walker. I'm not doing that. Not ahead of any of those three guys. I don't think so either. I understand Damian Harris is gone. Um, but and, but to be honest though, he is in a good position to do something fruitful uh, for an offense that really can't get anything done through the air. Yeah, and I and I agree with you there. Like he's like when you look at the roster, he clearly is the number one option. But like it's just what they do in New England. They don't use a singular running back. They never have. They haven't in you know almost twenty years. I mean, I've said all the time they haven't had had an individual running back like be a, a workhorse guy since Corey Dillon. Which was like two thousand two? Yeah, early two thousands. Yeah. I mean, and you had and you had a few guys that kinda did it for small periods of time based off of injuries. Like LeGarrette Blunt had that one year in New England where he was just crazy because they had nobody else. But I, I just yeah, they always find somebody else to come in and take carries. There's always some random dude they found off the street that ended up on their practice squad. And they're like, all right, yeah, he's doing well. Let's fucking throw him in. Like it's just it's weird the way that they do things there, but I'm with you. I might take him over Brees Hall just because Brees Hall is coming off the injury. That's a good point. But I don't think there's any chance I'm taking him in front of Etn, Najee Harris, or Kenny Walker. No, that's not happening. And and guess who's still on the New England Patriots that everybody done forgot about? James Robinson. I did forget about that. Yeah, he's still there. And, and he he showed he could be a number one running back. I still have no fucking idea what happened to him in, with the Jets last year. We couldn't explain it. And there's honestly nothing that ever came out about it. No, I think he just didn't mesh. I don't know if he didn't mesh with the team. Maybe he's a terrible ro- locker room guy because he, he you know failed a favor in Jacksonville as well. So who knows? Terrible locker room guy. You want you want the ball to be ran well? <laughs> ran well. You want the ball to be ran well? James Robinson is going to do it for you. Yeah, exactly. So. That's a good point. That's a that's a guy who's gonna probably immediately come in, especially under the Patriot system and the Patriot way. And if he buys into that, he'll absolutely eat into Stevenson Suches, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see a fifty fifty backfield there. That'd be cool if Robinson took the Damian Harris role and scored all the touchdowns, because that's what Damian Harris was doing with him and Ramondre Stevenson. Which didn't make any sense because Ramondre Stevenson's the bigger back. You think he'd get more goal line carries, but yeah, but what we're talking about. Uh, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson did have a fucking great year. He did. He killed it. He did, but... Man, honestly, looking at these stats, it's crazy that he finished top seven. But we have to think, too, Damon Harris was dealing with that hamstring injury most of the year and didn't get as much play. So, like, again, one of those things, the only only time they ever have anybody step up and be more of a RB1 for them is when injuries happen. So unless James Robinson gets hurt, or vice versa, if Roger Stephen gets hurt and James Robinson takes over, you're going to see a split backfield. It's just the way it goes in New England. And they do have Ty Montgomery. Oh, God. Who probably isn't relevant, probably shouldn't be listed above James Robinson, and Kevin Harris, and we know how they like their guys who've been them, been with them for a minute. Yeah, and they had that rookie from last year, too, that we thought might you know, jump in. He didn't really at all last year, but... He's still there. I think he's not practicing. I can't even remember his name right now. He came from a small school. 
Is it not Kevin Harris? It wasn't no. a rookie last year, but no, it was a different guy. It was a rookie from last year that I thought might be able to break in. Um, Kevin Harris from South Carolina. Nope, I said a small school, bro. The Gamecocks, South Carolina in the SEC. I and I'm, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> the Gamecocks. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. It, you know, we only got four listed here. Um. But yeah, I'll tell you with you, it's a little committee over there. I know. I'll recognize the name the second I see it. I just got to fucking see it. But to be honest, Reminder Stevenson is in a fucking great position to be a top running back in fantasy if they decide to use him like that. I mean, he, he did finish, you know, 14th in standard, 7th in PPR with Damian Harris kind of being there, you know, somewhat throughout the year with his injuries. So, Pierre Strong. That's who I was looking for. Oh, yeah. We talked about him quite a bit last yeah. year. He's a guy that I think could come in and also take carries. He's a kind of a bowling ball of the back, but he's he's strong. He came out of uh, South Dakota State. I told you it was a small school. You tell me Pierre is strong? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> South Dakota State. Them Dakota boys. So, yeah. It should be interesting. Interesting situation with the Patriots backfield, um, but he is in a good. He's in a good spot. He definitely yeah. has to be. Yeah, but I, I think that's again just kind of going back to to where we start with that with that question. There's no chance of taking him from him in front of Etn Harris or Walker. Maybe Brees Hall just because of the injury he might take some time to come back. Mm, even then, I think I'm doing it. I'm rolling with Brees. He's Hall. even going ahead of Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon for that matter. And I understand Joe Mixon. Also, is having some off-field issues, and we don't know if he'll be on the team. But, like, come on. Joe Mixon is the Kirk Cousins of running backs. Disrespected. The boy's been doing the damn thing for too long. Well, he's also been beating on women for too long, too, because that's not the first time this has happened. But <laughs> This is not a political show. We want fantasy production. Um, That's unfortunate thing to hear. But... Unfortunately, I will also draft him if I'm going to win a fantasy championship. So, yeah, I mean, and again, he's one of those guys. His ADP is super low right now because of the off-field stuff. But guys like him and Dalvin Cook, who are going only a couple picks apart from each other, once their teams get solidified and their the offseason issue gets solidified, there's their ADP is going to skyrocket. It'll go right back up to you know edge of the first round, top top second round. It's just going to. Hell yeah. Well, I think that pretty much rounds it out. Unless we want to talk about more disappointing Raiders shit or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> all that shit you started the episode off with just to get me all riled up. No, no, I'll I'll save it for another episode. We'll just go back at it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's plenty of things. That's for damn sure. It's gonna be a rough season for them Raiders. But yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um. Tune in next week. We recording next week. That's what we're doing. Yeah, we got to. We got to get more more content out. We took a couple weeks off. I know it's the off season, so there's a few things. It's kind of hard to, to talk about because there's not a lot of uh, not a whole not a whole lot of meat on this bone right now in terms of what, what we can talk about. But we'll put something together for you. Maybe we'll we should probably jump back into a little more deeper dynasty stuff next week. It's still early in the off season where that's a that's still a thing. You know, still a very large topic. So. Yeah, it it is a great area in the off season, but we're down to the bone. 
We'll just make some bone broth, you know? Throw that bone, throw that bone in the water, start boiling it, get some good stuff out of it. There's been a lot of cooking references this episode. Some nice hearty (laughs) shit. Bone broth is great, dude. No, (laughs) no, I'm with you. I'm just... We're talking about sweets and sugars. And <laughs> All kinds of shit. We've my, been in the kitchen. My salty tears, talking about the Raiders. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. We're, Seasoning. We're, we're covering the whole fucking food pyramid right now. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, tune in next week. We'll keep you updated on what's going on. If not, we'll just talk about some interesting shit and keep you, uh, you know, just in tune with what's going on in the off season, Fantasy. Make sure you're you know, drafting some good teams when your draft comes around. So if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Wherever you listen to us on right now, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that good shit, wherever. I don't give a shit, man. If you're doing the link and just listening to the raw audio MP3, bookmark that shit. Who cares? Every week, we got shit coming out. So, yeah, we appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next week. Thank you very much, and bye.